Because as I was reading the, the Bible and, and these verses, it made me think, why would God do that purposely? Like, does God really, like, is he just kind of like sitting in heaven saying, you know what? I'm just going to, I just feel like doing this to, to my child. I'm going to give him a little, a little trouble. I'm going to make him go through something. Is that what God is doing? Because it says that the Lord had closed her womb. I have a question for you. Is God closing wombs today? And when we go through, through trials and tribulations, I know it's really easy to think the Lord is doing this to me. Because like we come to church, right? And we're told, hey, you gotta believe in God. Trust in Him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Hello, Praxis. Good evening. Good evening. As Kelly said, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the elders. I work as a nurse in the area. And uh, I am just so excited to be with you guys tonight. I want you to think with me. I want you actually to do something with me. I'm going to ask you. I know we just, I just got up here. And uh, I probably, um, so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, okay? So close your eyes real quick with me. And I want you to think about the one thing that your heart desires the most right now. Think about that one thing that's like sitting on your heart, the one thing that you've been praying, the one thing that you're wrestling with, the one thing that you wish you had. And if you had this thing, how would your life be different? Our God in heaven, as we open your word tonight, I pray that you may show us how you are powerful and how you can change our lives. Help us to see, Lord, Help us to give our lives to you. Amen. Amen. One of the things that uh, Ariana and I, Ariana, my wife, is sitting here, is that we, uh, we've been married for about just a little over three years. And um, before we got married, you know, we had the conversation of, hey, do you want to have kids one day? And so we had this conversation. We talked about it. And uh, we got married. Um, August 4th of 2019, right before the pandemic happened. So we still managed to have all of our friends and families. And after about a year and a half of being in, in the pandemic, and, or in, in marriage, I should say, not in the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> after about a year and a half of being married, while the pandemic was happening, uh, we had the talk of, hey, how about, you know, should we start having a family? And so Ariana stopped taking her birth control and... We, uh, <laughs> we, I guess you could say, you know, began the, the plan or the, the um, trying to have kids. I thought it was going to be an easy thing. Like, oh, yeah, you know, you just get pregnant a month after or two, you know, nothing. Two months went by, three months went by. 
Four months went by, six months, and then I'm like, maybe we should go to the doctor and see what's going on. So we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to take about six months anyway. Just keep going, or, or just, you know, keep trying. <laughs> keep trying. And here we are. You know, here, there we were, seven months, a year went by, and nothing. And so we're just like, oh, man, like, what's going on? And so we went back to the PCP, the primary doctor, and I said, hey, man, can, you know, I think I might need a referral to see a specialist. Might need to see the infertility, the fertility doctor. And, uh, and so it happened, I got the referral. But the whole time, I was like, man, what if I'm the one that cannot father a child? What if, like, we are not able to have children? And I know that we sort of had, like, a plan B, and my wife is also going at the same time through the same things. Right? What if I'm not able to, to, to grow a baby within me? Now, I know that some people, if you got married and that wasn't the plan, then, then that's good. You know, like, I mean, that's, that's, that's also, that's, that's okay. But in our case, we really wanted to have family. That was our biggest desire. And we were just sitting there thinking, man, this is not going to happen. I even thought, I, I remember sitting and just thinking, is it, is it, because maybe, you know, the Lord is punishing me? Is it because I did something? Is it because of, I don't know, maybe the God doesn't think I'm fit to be a father? And that's what I was wrestling with. My wife, too, she works out all the time. I thought maybe it was because I wasn't going to the gym enough <laughs> or because I was, I was eating too many in and out. And I was like, maybe I need to change my diet. And, you know, we would talk. And these are the conversations that we had. Hey, you know, maybe... Go to the gym or something. <laughs> but anyway, so it so happened that after a while, you know, it's just, yeah, we were just struggling, struggling. The questions kept coming to my mind. So I want you to open your, or I would like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. In this chapter, in this book, we find the story of Hannah. Hannah was a woman of faith. She was a woman who was married to Elkanah. That was his name, her husband. Hannah, just like in the case, I guess you could say, of Ariana and I, she wanted to have children, but there was one problem. She could not get pregnant. Couldn't have any children. One of the, um, but in order to understand this story, I, I want to give you a little bit of a background. During these times, in biblical times, having a child wasn't just you know, just like, oh, we're thinking of having a child. There was a lot of importance. There was a lot of uh, value to the fact of, you know, a family having kids. One of them was financial, right? Because you wanted, as a parent, to the legacy of the properties, the houses and whatnot, you wanted that to pass on to your kids. So you needed an heir. You needed a child. Number two, uh, the name of the family needed to live on. The name of the family need, you know, the name of the family needed to be alive in that culture. And perhaps number three, and this was a little bit more specific, it was because they were waiting for the Messiah. So every woman and every woman in that culture had, you know, they'd go to church just like you guys are coming here, and the rabbi would get up and preach and say, you know, of there's a potential that any of you could birth the Messiah. The one who's going to free us, the one who will lead us, the one who will give us freedom and who will buy us protection and who will guide the whole people of Israel. One of you will be the chosen one. And so ever since, you know, girls were little, 
they had this thought in their mind that one day they could potentially, above all, give birth to the Messiah. So you can only imagine that after about 19 years or so of Hannah being married to Elkanah and trying to have kids, she was not able to. I can imagine that Hannah perhaps, you know, when she got married to Elkanah, got married and they thought life would be great. And I imagine Hannah just like my wife and I, we have done this, where before we um, started trying to have kids, we thought of possible names. So I imagine that Hannah probably did the same. She probably sat there and she was like, what if I have a little girl? What if I name her Miriam? Miriam, daughter of Elkanah. What if it's a little boy? Maybe I can, maybe I can name him Joseph. Joseph, Joseph of Elkanah. And she'd probably write down the name, see how it looked on paper, you know, just like the way couples do when they're going to get married. And if the girl so chooses to, to get the guy's name, she'll be like, Elena Milosavljevich. <laughs> Let me write that new signature. How is it going to look? In the case of Ariana, Ariana Martinez, how is my name going to look? So I can imagine Hannah sitting there thinking about all the possible names. Hannah also probably went to so many baby showers. Probably all of her friends began, you know, having kids, and she would attend all these baby showers. And year after year, year after year, she could only just see from the corner and see that everyone was getting pregnant except her. Soon after, and I'm just kind of like summarizing the first verses in the Bible just because there's quite a lot I, I'd like to share with you guys. So we'll see if I can just kind of move forward. But soon after, we see a second scene coming into, the, into this movie. And that is that after about 19 years um, of trying to have kids, Elkanah decides something. And that is that she's go he's going to find a second wife. So even though this was in the, in the Bible, we find examples of uh, polygamy. You know, the ideal was for, for a man to have one wife. But we find examples where, where this happened in the Bible. So you can only imagine, just picture with me, Hannah's perhaps, I don't know, cooking at home. She's preparing a meal. She's cleaning the house. Or she's maybe reading a book or doing something or, or working on her business. When all of a sudden she hears a knock, husband comes in, she goes, opens the door just to realize that her husband is coming home with a new wife. Perhaps not just a new wife, but perhaps a younger wife, one who could truly give him some children. And if Hannah thought she was already cursed by God for not having any kids, her days would only get darker and darker from now on. The Bible says, if you open your, I know you, uh, if you open your Bibles with me, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse, verse 2 says, And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city to from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. Verse 4, And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, verse 5, he would give a double portion, for he loved 
Hannah, although the Lord had not given her any children. One of the things that I notice here is that this family went to church together. Even though there was a lot of dysfunction, dysfunction in the family, there was a lot of strife, and there was a lot of um, things going on in the family, it says that they still went to church together. In the Bible, we have examples of Sarah, for example, deciding to give her uh, servant to uh, Abraham so that he could father a child. Same thing with Rachel and Jacob. And then later on, we find all these messes and issues that happen later on because of just the complexities of these family dynamics. Could it be that you perhaps come from a family where there was a lot of fighting in your family? Was there perhaps a lot of strife, a lot of, a lot of just things that were not quite balanced? And you wonder and you ask God, why God? Why has his... Why is this happening to me? Why did I grow up where I grew up? Why is this happening? Verse 6, if you go with me in verse 6, it says that her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. What comes to mind when you hear this verse? The Lord had closed her womb. Because as I was reading the, the Bible and, and these verses, it made me think, why would God do that purposely? Like, does God really, like, is he just kind of like sitting in heaven saying, you know what? I'm just going to, I just feel like doing this to, to my child. I'm going to give him a little, a little trouble. I'm going to make him go through something. Is that what God is doing? Because it says that the Lord had closed her womb. I have a question for you. Is God closing wombs today? Did God purposely close her womb so that he would just open it later? And I want to make something clear here. And when we go through, through trials and tribulations, I know it's really easy to think, the Lord is doing this to me. Because like we come to church, right, and we're told, hey, you gotta believe in God. Trust in Him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. But I think it's easier said than done because when we're sitting in the tribulation and we're going through the problem, it's really hard to say, thank you, God, for being a loving God when you're going through the tribulation. At least for me, it is. Looking back at, you know, when we were trying to, to get pregnant, it's like, God, where are you? How come you're not coming through for me? Where are you, God? So we humans, so number one, I want to set clear is that God is not out to get you. The devil is the reason for all the pain and suffering in this world. When sin and death came into the world, humanity was to never be the same we humans would experience the pain of losing family members. We would experience the brokenness of lies, injustice, disease, war, dying. Look at the things that are happening in, across the world. One of the stories we find is in uh, God is not causing your pain and suffering because if he did that, he would be working against himself. 
One of the stories that I want you to open your Bibles with me is found in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. And the story here talks about Jesus healing a man who was demon-possessed. And after he had healed this man in verse 22, it says, verse 23, um, I'm sorry, verse 24, Matthew 12, 24 says that the Pharisees came to Jesus. So Jesus heals a man. The man is now healed. And now the Pharisees come and they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of all demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts, verse 25. And said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. Verse 28, but I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So, this is what's happening. It doesn't make sense for God to be punishing you, for God to be hurting you, to then healing you. Because he says, it doesn't make sense, guys. If I did that, my kingdom would crumble. My kingdom would come down. Right? He's saying, Satan is doing the evil work. I'm the one bringing healing. I'm the one bringing life. I'm the one bringing salvation. What you guys are accusing me doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. So no, God is not out to get you. He's out to give you peace. He's out to give you love. He's out to give you salvation. One of the things that I found out while I was reading was that in the verse, uh, going back, I'm going to have you uh, go back now to 1 Samuel again, where it says that the Lord closed her womb, uses the word sagar, S-A-G-A-R. That's the original word in Hebrew. And that word can also be translated as, let's see if you guys this, or maybe not, but we'll see. The word for, for closed can also be translated as quarantine. All right? And I think all of you know what quarantine is. <laughs> or maybe not. Somebody does, is there someone here who doesn't know what quarantine is? All right? I, I think we maybe choose not to know what that is. But we all experience that. When they said to us, you guys have to quarantine. We're like, okay, sure. And after a while, you were going nuts. You're going crazy. Like, I need to go buy a bike. I'm going to go get a bike. I'm going to go get a scooter. Right? You, if you go to the store, all of the stores are out of bikes because everyone was buying bikes. Why? Because we were all in quarantine. Or they were, you know, we were being, being encouraged to be in quarantine. But did that mean that you were dead inside? your bedroom? No, it just means that you were for a while, you were put away, but you were still alive. So we could also read this text the following. The Lord had quarantined her womb. Is it safe to say that, the, that her womb was temporarily not available, yet still alive? Another way to look at this passage is through the eyes of language, especially idioms. If I said to you, it was raining cats and dogs. Would you believe me that literally cats and dogs were raining? No, right? That's just an expression to say it was raining really hard. I experienced that a few months ago. I was in El Salvador, and it was raining on a mission trip. 
and it was raining super hard. And all of us, I remember myself and our friend Denise, we were all taking videos of the rain. And wow, I can't believe it's raining this hard. It's raining cats and dogs. Or if somebody, or if somebody said, I'm just pulling your leg. Does that mean that somebody's actually literally pulling your leg? No, right? That's just a way of saying, I'm joking with you. So one of the ways that we can look at this verse is also the, the same way. In the case of, uh, in the case of Hannah, when we read the, the phrase, God closed her womb, a better translation or another translation could be that God, and here's the phrase, allowed her womb to be closed rather than causing the womb to be closed. Now, why is this important? I think this is important because we live in a broken world. And a lot of times, it's really easy to say, God, you did this to me. Why are you punishing me for this? But in reality, the fact that we live in a, in a broken world doesn't mean that we as Christians are going to be safe from any pain and suffering. But it means that as we're going through the pain and suffering, God will be with us. Pain and suffering will happen here on earth. We're going to see friends die, parents die, family members die, and we're going to see a lot of injustice. But God promises to walk with us through the pain. Even though Hannah didn't quite understand what she, why she was struggling so much, she trusted that God was sovereign in her life, and so she goes to Jesus, or he goes, she goes to God. Let's follow the story in verse 9. Verse 9 says that Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts. She's not saying, hello, anybody there? She's saying, she's calling out, she's saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and forget not your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. One of the things I found interesting is that in rabbinical Jewish uh, interpretation of the scripture, this is how that verse reads. O Lord of hosts, master of the universe. This is actually, let me explain a little bit, back up a little bit. In the, in the, in the Jewish culture, they had like translations of this text. They had ways of uh, understanding this text. And one of the ways uh, that they think that Hannah understood this verse was the following. Master of the universe, you didn't create anything for naught. You created eyes with which to see, ears to hear, hands to do works with. And here's the interesting part. Breast with which to nurse. These breasts that you placed on my heart, what if not to nurse? Remember, this is, again, this is not from the Bible. This is an interpretation of the Jewish um, uh, studies. In another rabbinical teaching, Hannah is the first to use the expression, Lord of hosts, and she's calling out to God. Host meaning a great number, an army. 
She said to him, Master of the universe, there is a heavenly host and an earthly host. The heavenly host don't drink or eat, and they're not fruitful. They don't multiply. They don't die, but they live forever. Basically, she's like saying, if you are God, God, you don't depend on food. You don't depend on water. You're mighty. You're God. The earthly people, they eat and drink and are fruitful, and they multiply, and they die. But Lord, I don't know which one I am. I'm confused. She's saying, I don't know which one I belong to. Because if I am heavenly, I, or she's saying, I must be heavenly since I don't give birth. I'm not able to have a child, so I must not be human. So if I'm not human, then I'm not going to eat or drink. And I will not die, but live forever. But if I am of the earthly host, then let me eat, let me drink, and let me give birth. Guys, this is Hannah wrestling with God. She's saying, I know, God, that I'm not able to do this. The desire of my heart is not there. But God, I'm pleading with you. If this is who I am, I want you, Lord, to listen to my cry and hear me out. Because I am coming out to you, Lord. This is me. I'm coming out to you. Let's read verse 12. It says that, and it happened that as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Verse 13. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. And Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk, woman? Put your wine away from you. Don't come to the temple if you're drunk. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider you maid servant a wicked woman. Then Eli answered, verse 17, and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. One of the things that we learned from Hannah here is that when we're going through tribulations and through troubles, and I think that a lot of this primarily I remember for me too, like going through the pandemic and all the things we were going through, is that Hannah is teaching us to come to the Lord in prayer. God says in Isaiah 1.18, he says, come, let us reason together. God is not pushing you to, to be with him, to obey him, to follow him, to love him. God says, come, let us reason together. It's like saying, hey, come here, let's have a conversation, let's talk. Do you have doubts about me? Do you have something against me? Do you think I don't love you? Let's sit down and talk. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. All, of you, all, all those of you who are carrying a heavy burden, come to me, and I will give you what? Rest. And you will find rest for your souls. Here, Hannah teaches us that there is access to the power of God when you believe in him. Many of you might want someone else to intercede for you, a pastor, a parent, or a friend. But here we learn to take it all to God alone. Hannah completely bypasses the, the, the priest. She doesn't go to the priest. She doesn't go to the pastor, the local pastor. She bypasses him, goes straight to the Lord, and she calls out to God. 
Are you trying to solve things on your own, or have you taken them to Jesus? Is there something in your heart, in your life, that you're struggling with, that you're battling with? And are you the one trying to fix it all? Are you trying to figure out the numbers? Are you trying to figure out the context, the hookups? Or are you taking it to the Lord in prayer? Hannah teaches us to take it to the Lord in prayer. Do you have some desires that might need to be reevaluated? Might some of your desires need to be baptized? Would you trust God even when you don't get what you pray for? A few years back in about 2016, 2017, one of my uncles passed away. He was young. He was only like 36, 38. And the thing about this uncle is that he was like a brother to me. We had grown up together. And I just remember thinking, man, God, like, heal him. Pray, you know, I pray for him and be like, he has a little son. He needs to see his son grow. Nothing happened. I mean, he still died. And even though that's, that's a sad part because sometimes we pray and things don't come out the way we want them to happen or we hope that they happen, it doesn't mean that God is bad out to get you. He's still looking out for you. He still has your back. He still loves you. And I know and I hope that one day when Jesus comes, I'll be able to see my, my uncle again, my brother, and I'll be able to catch up with him, and we'll be able to spend eternity together. But for now, I get to wait, and I get to wait for that day when he comes. Would you trust, and would you trust God even when things don't come out the way you think they should? And so Hannah, once again, teaches us to believe in God, to believe that prayer, it says that she left the temple and she ate and she drank again because she knew that the Lord had answered her prayer. The next verses in 19 through 28, we find that Hannah eventually becomes pregnant. She's able to finally grow a little baby within her and she is so excited. But something I forgot to mention to you, maybe some of you know the story, is that while she was praying, she made a vow to God, and she said, God, if you give me this child, I will devote him to you. I will give him to you. And then when she actually gets pregnant and she has this child, it says that she didn't go back to the temple for some time, maybe about three years. And during that time, she was able to, I'm guessing, breastfeed the baby, feed the baby, teach him how to talk, teach him to walk. Teach him to say the first few words. And around the age of three, she makes a journey back to Shiloh. So picture this with me now. New mother. She had been praying for almost 20 years for this child. And after so much prayer, so much fasting, and finally getting what she had been praying for, with a lot of pain, I'm sure, she takes that child. Walking, walking with that child. And she makes it back to the temple. And they bring offerings and they make an offering to the Lord. Samuel doesn't know he's going to be left at the temple at the age of three. He has no clue. The parents are taking him. But he has no clue what's happening. He's only three. 
I mean, maybe he sort of has a clue of the separation, but he doesn't really know in the big picture what's going to happen. And so it says that she took him up with her with some offerings before the Lord. And she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young, verse 25. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. Verse 26, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am that woman who stood by you praying to the Lord. Verse 27, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my permission, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord, because as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. So after some time, after some months of trying and trying, and we ended up, my wife and I, having just to go through many labs, and they have you do all kinds of scans and things, and more labs and more scans and more labs. Um, we finally got the word, the news, the news that we were going to be parents and that we were going to have a child. And, and I remember just almost being a little bit like, is this even real? Almost like Thomas, until I see the baby grow <laughs> and that belly grow, I'm not going to believe it. I was not trusting in God as I should have, perhaps. I would tell Ariana, hey, if something happens, don't put your hopes up too much. Try to keep it down in the low because you don't want to crush your heart. But in reality, I think I was just building walls, safety walls, in case it didn't happen or in case we lost the baby, as it happened so many times. Many people that are trying to have babies, trying to have families, and they can't for one thing or another, or they just can't get pregnant. And I know that perhaps for most of you here, that's not where you are if you're not maybe looking to have a family or, or whatnot. But there are other things in your life that you are hoping that can come into fruition in your life. And I remember just feeling just like... I'm going to keep the Lord just a little bit distant, just in case, God, just in case I'm going to build these walls around me because in case we lose that child, I don't want to be too shattered. And we couldn't believe it. It was amazing to find out that we would finally be parents. And so here's a photo of, uh, of our first ultrasound. <laughs> we, uh, yeah... The baby's about six weeks old in that photo. And I remember just being in the room with my wife, looking at this little tiny little something. They tell you it's your baby and you're like, okay, great. It's like a tiny little dot. the heartbeat for the first time it was life changing Whew, man I'm just trying to catch my, my breath here my words just the emotions that ran through my heart when I first heard the heartbeat for the first time was just stamped forever in my mind my wife is doing about seven weeks 
So please pray for us. The big day is coming up. Big day is coming up. About eight weeks, December 17th, give or take, around that date. Christmas baby. But here's the biggest plot. And we are thankful for that. We are thankful for the Lord. We're thankful to the Lord for that. But here's the biggest thing. In this story of Hannah, it appears that all of a sudden, her pregnancy, her issues, what she was wanting from the Lord, was not even the biggest thing, the biggest problem. We see a, a bigger plot twist. And this is crazy, guys, because I don't know how Hannah did it. But the biggest plot twist I see is what she does when she gets what she had been asking for. She takes that child and she gives it back to the Lord. And as I was reading and preparing for the sermon, I was faced with the, with the reality that the story of Hannah is inviting me to do the same. Nowadays, I probably wouldn't just take our child to church and leave our little girl. We're having a little girl, by the way. Leave her at church, per se, with Pastor Philip. He already has three kids. <laughs> They're cousins, but, you know, he already, he's already busy. But the question in my mind now is, would you, Daniel and Ariana, dedicate your life and the time to show her the love of Christ? Would I fully trust God with my child's life? And would I be willing to accept whatever comes our way? Am I willing to say, God, this is not my child, but it's yours. Take it. And the reality is that it's probably easier said than done. And I don't know, I'm still kind of like trying to figure out how that's going to work. But the challenge for me that Hannah gives me, that Hannah gives to all of us, is that she says, are you willing to trust the Lord with your heart's desire? And if you do, are you willing to give it to the Lord? Would you be willing to do the same? Would you trust the Lord with your life, with your dreams, your broken dreams and your broken everything in your life and messed up life? Would you trust the Lord? The story of Hannah teaches us three things that I want to leave with you tonight. She teaches us about the importance of coming to God in prayer. He alone, God alone, is the Lord of hosts, the creator of everything. He's not just an idea. He's not a thought. He is real. He is the creator of the universe. And while he's the creator of the universe, and he is the, the captain of the armies of the heavenly host, and people and, and the angels pray to him and they worship him and they say holy 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 he is also the healer of your soul and he cares for the prayers of the humble number two as things get tougher and tougher would you pray and trust in his sovereignty over your life hannah baptized her desire and wrestled with the lord but she said lord this is yours. I give it to you. And when she did that, Hannah was in a way portraying the sacrifice that heaven would ultimately make. 
She was a shadow of the experience of heaven when heaven gave its most precious and only son. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his own love toward humanity, towards you. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. And probably the most, one of the most famous Bible texts in the Bible, John 3.16 says, and you can help me with this. For God so loved the world that he gave how many sons? His only son. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So now God is asking, would you trust me with your heart's desire? Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there. On a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment, it makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.